Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, I'd like to start our Bible study this morning with a question. Now, you know how I like to do that. I like to get you thinking right off the bat. But here's the question. You ready? Have you ever had a certain expectation about an outcome only to get a different result than you had planned for? You go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what? Let me, let's dig a little bit deeper. Since we're in church, um, have you ever had an expectation about God and it didn't go as planned? I think that's every one of us. We have certain expectations. In other words, we had expected, I know I have, we've had expected something from God. God's going to do this. I know he's going to do that. And it turned out to be totally different than you had planned. Really, that's the story in today's study. You go, what do you mean? Well, see, Matthew, as he writes, he's going to introduce us to, who, to whom I call John the Baptizer. Okay? A lot of people go, well, it's John the Baptist. And then they confuse him with him being a Baptist. Well, he's not necessarily a Baptist. He's the Baptizer. And so we're going to be introduced to him. Now, if you were here with us for the John study, we, we talked about, we got introduced to John. We know that he's who? He's Jesus' cousin. You guys know the story. But what Matthew does is he writes a whole story, a whole chapter, if you will, and he tells us how John actually had, like us, an unmet expectation. And I love the word of God because I can go, man, I can relate to that. Because there were times in my life, and I don't know about yours, but there are times in my life where I expected God to do something. I had it all planned out for him. I even told him about it, and it didn't go my way. And I was disappointed. I was discouraged. God, listen, if you would listen to me. And then he says, well, Ben, I didn't ask you to co-manage the universe. You didn't. But if you would just... See, sometimes... Come on. Just me or we give God advice all the time. God, listen, hey, here, here's the deal. Listen, I've got it written out. Here's the five point. If you would just do this, everything would be good in my life. And God's like, you don't see everything. You didn't see this. And I'm going to protect you from that. Well, that's the same thing that John, this is, this is, this is what he's going to have. He's going to have an unmet expectation. Now, before we jump into our study, I always like to bring you up to date, okay? So let me share quickly what, what, with you, um, what uh, unmet expectation means, okay? Because if you go in the dictionary, you look up unmet, here's what it means. It means not satisfied or fulfilled. Not, that's, uh, not, that's exactly what it means. Well, what about expectation? Well, an expectation is the act or state of expecting or anticipation. So you're not satisfied with what you expected. That's what an unmet expectation is. Now, every one of you probably today are thinking about something that you go, yeah, yeah, I thought God was going to do this, and he totally, he, he, he dropped the ball. He dropped the ball. He, he fumbled. And, and, and it's like, no, no. Because you get down a few months, you get down a few years, you get down and you go, oh, oh, 
Oh, oh, oh, right? Isn't that true? You see, when I first got saved, I got saved at 17. And I got saved at 17, and my friend, my best friend in the whole world was dating a girl, and her best friend was single, so I thought, okay, well, I'll date this girl. She's a Christian. We're all Christians. And we started sort of going on a date. And, okay, this is Christian. This is how it's supposed to be, and, and, you're gonna get, and we're going to get married. And, and <clears throat> it didn't happen that way, did it? And then, you, and, then, and then the Lord brings your wife, like Nathalie, and I'm like, and then you look back and say, oh, thank God. Thank God, Lord, you didn't. Woo! Wow. 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 Come on. Come on, somebody. There's always been somebody your pressure like, oh, thank God that didn't go. Thank God that relationship is over. <sighs> Amen. Because anyways, I digress. I digress. But, but think about this. Now, remember what we talked about, guys. In chapter 10, okay, Jesus calls his disciples and here's what, I, here's what I want you to do. And he gives them power to go out and preach the gospel. Now, you are all disciples, and what he wants to do today is he wants to give you power to go and preach the gospel. That's really what we should be doing. We should be, uh, we should be reaching out to our neighbors. We should be going across the street. We should invite, we should again be reaching out to those at work, and we should be telling them about Jesus. Now, we don't have to be obnoxious. You're going to go to hell if you don't. But we should be, this is what he says. He says, listen, note what he says. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, here's what he says. And when he had called the 12 disciples to him, here's what I want you to see. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Do me a favor, circle that word for power. It's very important. Because the, 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 the Greek word is exousia, exousia, okay? That's what it means, and it means authority, jurisdiction. It means liberty, strength, authority to rule, the right to control. This is the power he gives us. If you were to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says dunamis. That's a different. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon, I will give you power. That's dunamis. That's where we get dynamite. And I need that dynamite power. Give me that. And you know what I'm talking about. It's when you're in the midst of, of, of sharing with somebody. Man, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Man, you're quoting scriptures. You're just, you're like, how did I even know this? And they're looking at you going, how did you even know this? That's dunamis. It's the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're bold in your faith. But this, he says, this is not dunamis. This is exousia. Exousia. For what? What do I need exousia for? Well, first and foremost, guys, to the authority to drive out evil spirits. To cast out, oh. But also, guys, to what? He, to heal every disease and every sickness. Wow. When he calls us to be his disciples, I don't see why he doesn't give us that same power. That exousia power. To preach the gospel to your neighbors. To pray. Well, Pastor Ben, here's the problem. I prayed for my neighbor, and she's still sick. I prayed for so-and-so, and he still died. I prayed, and, and so I don't know. But we still have that same power. We have the same power to exercise, because God might choose in that moment for that power 
to break that bonds of, of sickness or disease. But we have to exercise. Lord, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you your word. You gave your disciple, I'm your disciple. I want that exousia power. And so, and so he sends out his disciples in all of chapter 10. He sends them out. Do you understand that? He sends them out. He sends them out. Now, here's the thing. We go, okay, we're, we're in church. Amen, we're in church. Amen, we're in church. But, but we've got to be equipped here to go out there. There's no point for us to go, oh, we're just, we're just going to have our little huddle, our little holy huddle, and we'll hang out together, and we'll just be a nice little, little power group. All right, amen, good to see you, all right. But then we never take the gospel out there. I've got to be honest with you. In Lubbock, Texas, it's a, it's a little bit hard because, because I feel like everybody's saved. <laughs> I feel like everybody's saved. And you know they're not. You know they don't know. But it's like, well, what's the first thing you do? You go to somebody and say, hey, man, hey, I was just, uh, I want to introduce you, man. I gave my life to Jesus. And what's the first thing they say? Oh, I go to this church. That's the first thing they say. I go to church. We're used to that. We don't want to be... But it's more than going to church, is it not? It's about going, and it's about being the church. Guys, our calling as disciples, we need to go out, and we need to minister to Lubbock. That's the whole purpose. We need to minister. How do you minister? How do you share the love of Jesus? How do you do that? Well, you know you got people in our body who's sick. How are we ministering to them now? Right? A simple meal. A simple thing of, of, of chicken soup. Here you go. We, we love you. We'll leave it on the front porch. But that's how we minister. You go, yeah, Ben, but they're saved already. Well, what if we do it to the unsaved? Is it an inconvenience? Sometimes. Every, every one of us in this room has our Sunday planned. Okay? Well, after church, I'm going to get lunch, and I'm going to watch the game. Now, you can't use that today because Dallas already played, okay? But I like football. But we could, anyway, I, I want that power. And you know what I really want the power for? I want the power because I'm tired of COVID. I'm tired of my loved ones getting it and being sick. And I don't know what's going to happen to them. I don't know what... I love that power to say, hey, you know what? In the name of Jesus, be healed. That's verse 1. Now, jump on over to verse 1 of chapter 11, because notice what it says. Now, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach preach in their cities. So here's what you need to remember, okay? You need to remember that he says, okay, guys, let's go. And he sends them out. And then he comes back and he says, now, here's the thing. Um, by the way, I'm going to go to your cities now. I'm going to go behind you. You've preached in your... Now, why would Jesus... Come, like, do you, ever, do you ever feel like you're micromanaged at work? Like they tell you to do something and then they come check on you and you're like, look, if you wanted me... Jesus isn't micromanaging, and I'll tell you why. Because remember, later on we're going to talk about it. It's Matthew 13 and 57. It says, and when they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him, Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except his own town and among his own family. 
So that's like you getting saved and going back to your family, going back to your posse, going back to your friends. Guess what I'm saved? <laughs> really? Really, you? Nah. And your family doesn't receive it, does, do they? They look at you and go, ooh, he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I'm telling you what happened. And that's what he's saying. So Jesus says, now go out. I know that's going to happen. I know your friends are going to think you're crazy. But then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come and I'm going to reiterate what you just preached. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The one thing that we can apply to our lives today, church, is this. We're called to be his disciples. Can I get an amen? Okay, we're his disciples. Many from our own cities and our own families may not believe because they know who we were. I want you to say that. They knew who I was. That's not who you are now. But they remembered the old you, okay? They remembered you when you were dancing and partying with the lampshade on your head, and you're just like, and they're like, that's not a Christian. And you're like, hey, right? You, they knew who you were. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. He gives us a great example. He went to teach and preach in their own cities. And here's what I love. Maybe you go, Pastor, there's people in my family that won't receive it from me. Here's what you need to do. Pray that God would send somebody else to minister to them. God will do that. Right? Right? I I see Josh nodding his head, and I know that he has a burden to minister to his family, but they won't receive it. But God's going to send somebody else in a, oh, oh, wow, wow. The disciples went back to their cities, and Jesus comes following with confirmation. Okay? Same thing happened to me. Okay? Nathalie and I. Same thing happened. Okay? A lot of people, her, her family, her family grew up Christian. They did. Okay? They went to church. But one of the things that Nathalie said when she saw me was, hubba hubba. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of the things that Natalie said as I began to witness to her, I began to share the gospel. She wasn't my wife at the time. We were at the grocery store. The Lord brought her to the grocery store. I began to, and she looked at me and she goes, you know what? She said, my parents have told me this all the time. She said, but when you told me it was different. Her, her peer, somebody, di- and it was so different. And then I'll never forget, there I was, and I was in the back room, and Natalie came in. She goes, guess what? This was a Monday, I remember. She goes, I got saved yesterday. Now, remember, you understand, we're just friends at the point. There's there nothing there. And I was like, what? Yeah, and it was so cool because I shared in a little bit of the gospel. But sometimes we won't, and our family won't receive it from us, but God is already working another way. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So what do you do? Pray. God, listen, they might not receive it from me, but I still love you. But here's the thing. You need to do your part. What's that? You need to go out and you need to share with other people because maybe they won't receive it from somebody, but they'll receive it from you. And you come up and you be like, hey, I'm just going to share with my friends at work and I'm going to pray that God would minister here, here. So Jesus goes and he follows. Now, the scene changes and it's almost like verse 1 should have been verse 43 of chapter 10. It's, it, it's kind of there, okay? Because now we learn about John and him being super bummed. He had this super bummed outlook because 
Because listen, he misunderstood who Jesus was. He had an unmet expectation. Look at verse 2 and verse 3 with me. It said, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, he said, said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? What? Now, here's what you need to know. Okay. Do you remember how John ended up in prison? John was righteous. He followed God. He just, he's baptizing. And all of a sudden, do you guys remember the story? Herod Antipas looked at his brother Philip's wife and said, hubba hubba, I want her. Okay. John, the baptizer, comes and he calls him out. He says, no, 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 this is wrong. This is sin. Do you remember Herodias, what she did? She goes, I want him dead. Now, Herod Antipas was like, yeah, I'd like John. I'd like to hear what he says. But now you've got me. And uh, so they put him in prison because he called out sin where sin needed to be called out. I just, I stop and think about John for just a moment. What boldness he had. He probably had exousia power. He called it out. He said, this is sin. You can't, you can't. You can't have your brother Philip's wife. You can't do this. You you can have any other. Now, one of the things that John is thinking, and now now, now think about this, guys. Think about this. There he is in prison. Now, and again, it's not three squares, and he's got weights, and he's got internet and cable. That's not the prison he's in. You understand. Okay. If you, un, if you go there today, you understand he barely, he, he didn't have any windows in the prison cell and then he would barely, the king liked him enough that his disciples could come and minister to him. And so what does he say? He goes, um, do me a favor. Can you go check and see if Jesus is the Christ or is there somebody, because I'm, I'm missing this. I'm, 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 I'm missing this. Here's what I want you to jot down. Very important in your Bibles. Right now, even though John is Jesus' cousin, you guys know that? He's been in prison for about a year now. So it wasn't just a few days. He's been in prison for about a year. Also, John really thought Jesus was going to come destroy the works of Rome. You understand that? Much like his disciples and that he was going to set up his kingdom right then and there. So he's like, okay, I might be in prison for a couple of days. That's all right. Jesus got this. Jesus got... Okay, a week's gone by. Okay, well, Jesus has got this, right? He's going to, any day now, behold, two months go by. Three months go by. Okay, but I'm, I'm holding out. I'm holding on to gray. I'm holding on hope. Six months go by. Here you are, right? You start looking. You can see your ribs. He's not eating very well. John's like, wow, am I ever going to get out of here? Eight months go by. Now he's like, whoa. Whoa. You see, here's what I want you to see. John, John the baptizer, great righteous man. He loved God. He was the messenger, the forerunner. And here he shows me he's very human, just like us. How so? He had an unmet expectation. Are you serious? Are you the Christ or should I look for, is there somebody else? Is there somebody else? Now, I really feel for John right now, and here's why. Because the scripture, jot this down, concerning the Messiah, Jesus, 
way back in Isaiah said this. Look at Isaiah 61.1, okay? It says this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Everybody go, amen. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of prison to those who are bound. Well, we don't go in amen because John's going, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened to that last one? I'm in prison for a year. Are you serious? Uh, uh, is, is, uh, uh, is Jesus coming? No. Okay, so, so, so what do I do? Should, should, uh, so what happened to John? Well, Scripture tells us that he got out of prison and he was so just uh, prosperous that he had a three-chariot house and he lived a lot. You go, no. It actually didn't end well for John, did it? It didn't end well for John. John actually entered glory waiting for him to be released from prison. Now, that's not... uh, Listen, this is the word of God. This is the word of God. But I think that John misunderstood the messianic plan and he was left with an unmet expectation. Yet, I believe that when John went to heaven, the Bible says that when we get there, we'll know all things. And John, immediately upon his death, understood, oh, Jesus had another plan. He had another plan. Wow. You know what his plan was? To save all of mankind. To save you. To save me. Now, one day, Jesus is going to rule and reign, is he not? He is going to set up his kingdom. It's going to be awesome. We're going to help him. That's an expectation we can count on. You go, amen. But until then, guys, until then, sometimes we have unmet expectations. So they send his disciples. Hey, go see what John is. Go see if this is Jesus. Tell me. And so guess what he does? Look at verse 4. He says, Jesus answered and he said to them, go tell John the things which you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And he said, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What is Jesus saying? Guys, he's saying miracles are happening every day. So the disciples come up and go, wow, wow. But he says something very interesting. He said, what's that? Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I want you to underline that in your Bibles. Why? In other words, he's saying the person who can live full faith, acknowledge and accept the mighty works as evidence of his messiahship. You go, Ben, what did he say? He said this, happy is the person, that's you and I, who can walk in this life and not fully understand all that God is doing, but in faith, trust him, wait for him, and believe in him. Come on, somebody. Happy is the person. You want to be happy. Here's how you're happy. You ready? You want to be happy? He says this. You don't have to understand everything that God is doing in our lives right now. We don't have to understand it right now. We just have to walk in faith and trust that he has our best interest at heart. Our best. You, you, you understand that. You understand that. 
Now, when it comes to, when it comes to this awful virus called COVID-19, either you won't get it and you go, praise God. You will get it and he'll see you through. Come on, somebody. Or you'll get it and you'll die and you'll be with him in heaven. But either way, we win. Because I don't understand how this person gets it and, and boom, they're okay. And this person gets it and they die. I don't understand that. But here's what I want to. Happy is the person who goes, I can walk knowing that God is sovereign. I can walk knowing that God is sovereign. I can walk with full acknowledgement and I can accept his mighty works. I can believe in him. I can trust in him. That's who he is. That's who he is. In verse 7 it says, And they departed and Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. He says, What did he go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? He says, But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, Jesus says. I say to you, more than a prophet. For this is the one whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Now, verse 7 and 8, guys, are rhetorical questions, okay? He's going, okay, what did you go see? Tell me what you really see. Did you go out and expect to see a king? He's wearing, he's wearing what? He's probably got bugs in his beard. You know, he ate locusts. I mean, he's probably going, oh, wait a minute, there's some, a snack for later. Okay. That's not a king. He goes, what did you go see? But he says, but you know what? You know who John was? John was a prophet. He was more than a prophet. How is he more than a prophet? Well, Jesus actually quotes, if you're taking note, from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. I love the fact that Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. Right. Because remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And this is how Matthew portrays him as king. So he's quoting. And think about Jesus. Think about what he just called John. What did he call him? He said a prophet, but more than a prophet. Why? Because he was a messenger. You go, what do you mean? Okay. A prophet back in the day would say, thus saith the Lord. And here's what they would, they would prophesy. This saith, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what the Lord would want to do. Here's what God says. Boom. That's what a prophet would do. Because, but he's more because he's a messenger. A messenger is a little bit different. He takes the message of the gospel straight to the heart of the people. A little bit different. Okay? So, as disciples, God's calling us to be messengers. We have to step into that role and say, I need to take the message straight to the heart of people. Straight to the heart of people. Look at verse 11. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Your attention, please. That verse is a very weighty verse. It's a very hard verse because he goes, he says this. From the days of John, as he comes with the message, he says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You go, Ben, what does that mean exactly? Let me give you two schools of thought. Let me give you two. The first one, when he says the, king, the kingdom suffers violence, it means that since John began preaching, there have been those who are violently opposed to it. Can I get an Amen. 
Isn't that true? Since John brought the message up until today, we see those that, man, there's, there's people who are, oh, okay, they think you're a wackadoodle because what you believe, but there are those who are violently opposed to the message. They will do whatever it takes to shut this down. But the second school of thought is this. The kingdom suffers violence means that since John began preaching, there have also been enthusiastic supporters of the message. They're like, yeah, amen. You go, Ben, where do you stand? I believe it's both. I believe since John preached, there have been those that are violently opposed to it. And you can see that message even now. Even now. Prepare yourself, church. Prepare yourself for the coming of... Basically, as you proclaim the gospel by the way you live, those who are going to be violently opposed to that. It's coming. It's coming. But also, prepare your hearts for those who are going to come and and, and go, yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. This is why, as believers, guys, we have to be a family together. We have to lift each other up. We have to be, this is, this is how it is. We cannot let one of our family members go out and suffer alone and be like, well, that was on you. If you'd have just stayed. We have to go, no, let's go with them. Let's go with them. This is what Jesus said. He says, for all the prophets, verse 13, and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who has come. He who has an ears, right? He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, look at verse 13, and I want you to see something. Very important. You guys with me? It says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied, what's that next word? Prophesied until. You guys see that? Underline that in your Bible. Underline it. Why? Until John. Why is that important? Because for all the prophets and the law, they prophesied until John. After John, we've not had the official office of a prophet. (gasps) What? No, 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 no. Because I know some churches and they have the... No, 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 no. No, it says until John. Why? Because since Jesus went to heaven... You and I have the privilege of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We don't need, thus saith the Lord anymore. There's not an official office, if you will, of the prophet. That's what the Word of God says. Can you see? You go, well, Ben, but, 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 but I've been... Well, wait, 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 what? Yeah, see, Jesus went to heaven and he said, it's to your advantage I go away. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now guides you and directs you and convicts you. And he leads you. And as a matter of fact, even today, it's the Holy Spirit that's teaching you right now. The stuff that you're going through, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You're going, oh. and I know the Holy Spirit moves because I'll go after church and somebody say, Pastor, that was a great, that was a great message. And I really like the part when you said this, this, and this. And I'm going, I don't think I ever said that. No, 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 you did. No, it's the Holy Spirit that moved in your heart and taught you and brought you to that place. Now, that being said, listen to me, we still have the gift of prophecy. Okay? There's not an official office of prophet, but there's still that gift. 
And the Lord can and will use others to bring us closer to Christ or give a certain direction. So you might have somebody goes, you know what? I've been praying for you and I feel like the Lord is and he'll give you and he'll, and he'll prophesy about you. There is that gift. Now, let me say this about the gift. If I went to Soph and I said, Soph, I've been praying and thus saith the Lord, the Lord wants you to do this, this and this. The first thing that Soph needs to do is he needs to go, okay, I need to see if this is from the Lord. How do you receive that? God would have already been talking to Soph about it. You understand that? God would have already been, oh, you know what? I've been praying for that for a week now. That confirms, amen. But sometimes we go and we go, well, look, young man, thus saith the Lord, you're going to be a preacher. And and, and he's going, that's news to me because I thought I wanted to be a race car driver. You know, I mean, whatever it might be. And so God already speaks. So we have to be careful. Why do we have to be careful? Because when it comes to prophecy, you need to understand that it has to be 100% fulfilled or the Bible says that God isn't speaking to us at all. So if you're going to say, thus saith the Lord, here's the gift of prophecy. Now, remember, prophecy is, is, is twofold. Sometimes it's thus saith the Lord. He's going to do this futurist. Okay? Now that has to be 100%. Or else, well, if we were Old Testament, we'd take him out and stone him to death. Okay? That, you can't speak for the Lord. Now, there's also the gift of prophecy in, and not thus saith the Lord, but basically, you know, teaching the word of God. Here goes the word of God. And so the, the gift is being used a lot of times behind the pulpit as we seek to teach God's word. Oh, oh, I see. I see. And so Jesus at this point, guys, he turns around and he says, okay, let me illustrate the teaching. I love that he does that. In verses 16 through 19, he's going to illustrate it. Notice what he says. He says, but what shall I, what shall I like in this generation? Okay, so now he's talking to him. It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to their companion saying, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We mourned to you and you didn't lament. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they said, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Lord, he's a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and senders. But wisdom is justified by her children. What did Jesus just say? What did Jesus just say? He said, now, what you need to understand is back in the day, kids, they didn't have iPhones or, or social media. They didn't have gaming devices. They didn't have PlayStation 18s or whatever it is. They used to play outside in the streets. How many of you remember playing outside in the street? Okay, yeah, most of you. means we have an old congregation, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) We used to play outside in the street, right? And the kids used to do that. But here's what they said. They used to play wedding and funeral. This is what the kids used to play, okay? Because those were two big productions. If it was a wedding, they were singing and dancing, and so they'd get together and go, hey, let's, Rosa, let's play wedding. And we'd like, okay, what's that? And so we would dance, and we'd sing, and, and it'd be a glorious time, and all the kids would be, okay, I'm going to be the bride, I'm going to be the groom, da, 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 da. You guys know how kids are. But funerals were a big production, too. As a matter of fact, I hired professional mourners. And so they would also sing and say, well, let's play funeral. It's kind of the same thing. Do you guys remember? We used to play cowboys. We used to play cops and robbers. Do you remember? And and some of you got to be the robbers, and some of you got to be the good guys and the bad guys. All of that stuff we would just play. And then you'd stop in the middle and go, okay, now now I'm not the robber anymore. I'm going to be the cop. 
we'd all take turns. Well, in the same way, this is what Jesus is saying. You go, what, is, what did he say? He says, let me just liken it. Let me liken it. Okay? He said this. All the people would understand exactly what he says. And he says, like children playing a game in public, he said they would, they would complain to their friends, hey, we played wedding and you guys didn't dance. He said, we, we, we decided to play funeral and you guys didn't mourn. And so he turns the tables on them. He says, listen, John, he came fasting. He came mourning. He came playing funeral, if you will, and you guys didn't mourn. You actually called him a demon. So I decided as, as the Christ, as, as, as the Meshach, I decided to come and I'm going to play what? I'm going to play wedding. And instead of you guys rejoicing and accepting, you guys called me a glutton and a wine-bibber and a friend of sinners. You could feel the conviction. You can feel that. And you go, well, what does it mean when he says, but wisdom is justified? Wisdom is justified by her children. You guys ready? Circle that because it just means the proof is in the pudding. He's going, hey, this is, just look at, look, the proof is there. The proof is there. It's, it's, it's how you guys have responded. This is John. He's been sending the message of me. And you guys haven't accepted it. You haven't. Well, how do you know we haven't accepted it, Jesus? He goes, the proof is in the pudding. You haven't. You've, you called him that he had a demon, and you said that I was a glutton, and I was a sinner. I was a sinner. And once again, my Jesus, he changes direction. Notice what he does. He pronounces woes on those who fail to hear his preaching. Look at verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum. Who exalted to, to heaven will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. What is Jesus saying? He says he goes to his own people and he performs miracles and he's, and the blind see, guys, and, and the deaf hear, and it's, it's incredible. And he proclaims the king is here and they don't believe. They don't believe. And the same thing happens today. The same thing happens. God does an incredible miracle. If you talk to Mike Shaw for any length of time, Mike is so excited about salvation. He goes, that's a miracle in itself when somebody gets saved. And it's a miracle. And you see a miracle. You're a miracle. You're a miracle. Did you know that? The fact that you said yes to Jesus and you came, that's a miracle. And other people go, ah, no. And they don't believe. They don't believe you could change. They don't believe that the God of the universe can indwell you. And he says, guys, he 
says it's, it's going to be better for Tyre and Sidon. And every Jewish person went, what? Because Tyre and Sidon is predominantly Gentile. And he said, it's going to be better for them because you Jews didn't in the day of judgment. Wow. Wow. And he says, woe to you. Now, listen. I have been to Israel three times, and I have been to every one of these cities. I've been to, to Bethsaida. I have been to Chorazin, and I have been to Capernaum. And let me tell you, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's no thriving metropolis. Now, if you go to Tiberias, guys, there's hotels, there's food, there's all kinds of stuff going on. But if you go to these three cities that Jesus pronounced woes on, there's nothing. They're excavating them, but there's no. There is in Capernaum, Jesus' headquarters. This is where he did most of every. You have Peter's house. You have an old, run-down um, synagogue. And there's not much happening. It's gone. All three cities. And I sit there and we get in the bus and we're like, that's core. That's been Wow. Wow. And Jesus ends the teaching, and I love it. So what's he do? If you'll see it, he'll say, okay, here's John. Here's the response. You guys didn't respond well. He says, let me tell you what, and then he comes and he calls, and he ends the teaching by calling him to himself. Look at verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them as them to his babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me. All you are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What a great, great invitation. Guys, and, it is, and it's basically extended to all. This is what Jesus says. He says, to come and receive salvation. That's the first call. To come and receive salvation. The second thing we see in the text is to what? To learn in discipleship. To learn in discipleship. And then third, to serve under the instruction and discipline of the word of God. Isn't that our calling as well? Our calling as well. Now, sometimes we get a little bit tripped up. We get saved. Okay, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. What do I do? I don't know. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. But guys, we got to move into discipleship. We have to learn the word of God. And then when we're in discipleship, then we go, okay, so now I'm going to what? I'm going to, what's the last one, guys? Serve. I'm going to serve under the instruction and the discipline of the word of God. We have to be so careful, and I need to be careful how I say this. We have to move from simply attending church to serving. That's, that's God's call for us. We go, okay, okay, I got saved, I got saved. And so, and so you got to get instruction. Okay, I'm saved. 
Okay? And we're like a baby bird. Ah, feed me, feed me. But once that, you go, okay, now I feel pretty good. Now I need to move into the place where I, I need to understand what the word of God says. There has to be discipleship. Okay, show me. I don't understand. And then when you get to the, oh, oh, okay. I have the basics. Now, where does the growth come? Growth comes when we serve. When we serve. The problem is, is the church goes, okay, how many of you want to serve? Who can be here to clean? Oh, I guess that's all there is to serving is cleaning. And there's a lot of places to serve. But we have to get plugged in. Here's how you grow. You grow by serving because then it's not about you anymore. This is what Jesus is saying. It's not about you. It's about going, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Notice what he says, guys. I love this. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your what? For your souls. Isn't that a contrast to what the, what, what the scribes and the Pharisees are teaching? They were putting yokes on people. Okay, here's what you got to do. You're going to come to Calvary Chapel? Okay, here's what you got to do. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. Jesus says, no, no, no. Listen, here's the bottom line. If you come and you get fed the word of God, he says, that's going to, I'm going to, you're going to find rest. And a natural byproduct of being and walking with Jesus is that it should burst forth in wanting to serve. It should burst forth. You go, what can I do? What can I do? Well, Pastor, I don't like kids. Well, then don't go with the kids. <laughs> but, but, but I love to clean. Can you do this? Oh, yeah, great. That's, a, that's what we need for vacuuming. Okay, or, hey, I can do this. I can do this. I can. But, but you can't just sit there and go, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, maybe. I don't know. We have to step out. You go, well, do I always have to serve at my church? You can serve here, but you can serve. Let, let, let's serve. Let's take it a step further. Let's serve Lubbock. Let's minister to Lubbock. Because when we come in here, we go, man, hey, how you doing? I'm saved. You're saved. High five. Everybody's saved. Great. Serve. But really, what's the purpose? The purpose is so that we can minister to a city that's lost. Church, true story. True story. In August, I was invited to my friend's church, and I ministered there. And every service, I give an invitation. Lord Jesus, if you want. And this man, this fellow, I don't even know him. He raised his hand and he got saved. He told his friend, I got saved. I got saved today. And, and that's what I tell my man. So Ben comes back to Lubbock never again, only to find out that he entered eternity just this past week. True story. True story. So we got to serve our city because you don't know who's going to be here tomorrow or next week. Be so sensitive to God's Holy Spirit when you go out. Today, the waitress, the waiter at lunch, be sensitive. They didn't hear what you heard. But they need us to be kind. They need us to be kind. You know what, you know what servers say? The worst people are Christians after church on Sunday morning. 
they're the most ugly. Well, we want a table. Rah, 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 and we're mad here. Said, really? Oh, would you, like to, would, you like to, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart and be like you? No, thank you. We need to change that. We need to change. What, what did Jesus say? Come and receive salvation. Learn in discipleship. Let's go back. John misunderstood and had an unmet expectation. God, is this, tell, is that, and he ends up in, sometimes guys will have an unmet expectation. God, I, I expected you to do this, this, and this. You didn't do it. Oh, we need to trust in the sovereignty of God. Let me ask you a question. What if God had met John the Baptist's expectation and set up his kingdom right then and there? Would we be saved? No. And so John, the baptizer right now, is going, wow. Here's the point. You ready? This is your life. This is your life. It's a giant parade. And God sees the beginning of your life, and he sees the end of your life, and he sees all in between. But you don't get to see that. What do you get to see, church? All you get to see in your life is the next float coming down. And you have no idea where your end is, and that's okay. Because you need to trust in the next float that's coming down. How many of our lives have been turned upside down in these last two or three years? They sure have, haven't they? I mean, just, but God is still God, is he not? And he's still sovereign. And you go, well, I don't know what's going to happen next month. Neither do I. I don't know what's going to happen in 2022. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to see 2023. But what I do know is I've got today. I've got today. And that's all I got. And so, Lord, I want to live with no regrets. So use me if you choose. Give me that exousia power so that I can share God. Give me that power so that, that Lord, maybe you'll use me to heal heal somebody. Maybe you'll use me to, to, I don't know what you'll do, God, but I want it. I want it. I'm your disciple. I'm your disciple. I don't know. I don't know when the end of the parade is. God does. So where, am I, where do I want to be found? I want to be found in God. Okay? I want to be found in God. And I don't think a better, uh, a better closing would be to offer an invitation. Because he says, come. Some of you are tired today. Some of you are weary. And you're carrying heavy burdens. Jesus says, come to him. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He says he's humble and gentle. He says, take heart, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give to you is light. That's what he's saying. So if you're here today and you are tired, you're saved, but it's been a weary journey. Where do we go? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Make that commitment today to follow him. Make that commitment, God, I need to spend more time with you. I need to read your word more, God. I need to be in love with you, God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make that commitment. 
I'm going to read the Bible all the way through. I'm, whatever it might be. I'm going to come to prayer meeting on Thursdays. I'm going to. I need this, God. I need this. That's what he's asking us, and he's going to give us that rest. Amen? Father, we thank you for, Lord, 30 verses of just so much here. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, I have had an expectation, and it didn't go as planned. But that doesn't make you less God. You are still Heavenly Father. You are still God. Just because I don't understand, Lord, don't let that be a deterrent in my faith. Help me to trust you even more. Thank you, God, that there's a great example in John the Baptizer. The enemy is going to come and create doubt in our lives. But we're going to trust you, God. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're watching via Facebook or whatever it might be. Maybe you're here today and um, you're not in a right relationship with God. Maybe that you have wandered off the path a little bit and through the power of the Holy Spirit today, God is calling you back. Maybe you're here today and you're just going, man, I needed that. I needed that. But I, I still need you to pay for me, Pastor. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I, I, um, I need Jesus. God bless you, sister. Anyone else just saying, God bless you, brother. I know. I know it's the same way. Lord, I, I, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to, I'm coming back to Jesus. Just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. God knows who you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all. Lord, I, I, I pray for these hands that are raised. We're coming back to you. Lord, we, we've been trying to carry this burden and this yoke, and it's heavy and it's hard, and, and uh, we've, we've even had some unmet expectations that created doubt in our walks. But today... Today, I surrender to you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my doubt. Come into my heart and be my God, be my Savior, be my friend. I choose to follow you this day forever. I'm yours. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you lifted up your hand, trust that the Holy Spirit, God, is moving in your heart. He loves you very, very much, and he has a plan for you. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.